Ron and Anian. I work in a repair shop, that, and people walk in, and they're amazed. The floors are clean. The place has got air conditioning. We've got tools. We've got lights. We've got lifts. And you say to yourself, well, isn't that common? And I, it's not, evidently. And the ball The Car Doctor. We can paint the studio, Tom. Oh, forget the studio. Tony's not here today. We can paint Tony. So, Tony would like that. I'll um, hold him. You spray him. Yeah, well, it's going to need a lot of paint. He's a big guy. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Time to start your engines. Ronnie and Andy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Join us for the next two hours as we sit down and talk about solving your automotive problem, whatever it might be, fender to fender and door to door. There is more information about this radio show at cardoctorshow.com. Also, podcasts. We know your podcasters are out there, and we love you for it. You're podcasting either from TuneIn, iHeart, or iTunes. And if possible, click on subscribe. It helps us and uh, helps keep our little radio business going as we move forward and try to fix all these broken cars. 855-560-9900. It was also 24-7. I should point that out. You call the 855 number, which is toll-free. You can leave a message, and our producer... The illustrious Thomas Ray III will call you back and hook you up in radio and uh, let you talk to me. We can get it together on air and see what's going on with your car. Mom said to me today, she says, what are you going to talk about today? I said, I don't know. I never really think about it. So this is the show about nothing. I guess maybe it could be. uh, But look, it it worked for Seinfeld. Maybe it'll work for me. I think what I want to talk about, well, there's two things that are on my mind. Number one. Um, and, and Tom Ray gave me this idea before the show. So, you know, if anybody wants to yell and scream, it's at Tom. Uh, Tom came up to me before the show, and he saw my post on Facebook. You know, if you get out to the Car Doctor Facebook page about Volkswagen being fined $30 billion, with a B, dollars. And um, he said, look, you were right. I said, how so? He goes, because they really are virtually worthless. And uh, after that $30 billion fine, I mean, you know, $30 billion? Whew. Talk about clamping down. Which, by the way, if... If you're, and this is me talking about nothing again, if you're wondering why you're getting all these recall notices, customer came into the shop this week and they were talking about how they took their Hyundai in for a recall, and what ended up happening was they had the recall done and the Hyundai dealer tried to sell them $2,000 worth of widgets that they didn't need, so then they had to come in to me and I had to see the car and show them, no, this isn't, this is okay, this is okay, this is okay. Because the recall thing is really affecting the industry, you can see it. It's it's driving people crazy. You're, you know, you, you you take the car in for the for the recall, and then all of a sudden you've got this laundry list of things that don't need to be done. And not every dealer. Listen, there's some very good dealers out there. There's some people with scruples. There's people with morals, and then there's the rest of you. And it just doesn't seem to work out. Everybody's got to try and sell somebody something they don't need. So, you know, the point is the reason the recalls are so much more in the news and you're being pushed for it is the car manufacturers as per government legislation last year are now having fines levied against them at a much higher rate and a much higher level there's there are issues with 
if the government feels like the recall should have been done earlier or if it, the consumer, the vehicle owner, should have been notified sooner, then they're saying that, okay, we're going we're gonna to increase the fines tenfold. So what could have been a $30,000 fine becomes a $300,000 fine and so on. So it's uh, $30 billion for Volkswagen. Wow. Talk about a hurting. Um, you know, you can see the price of new cars going up soon and the value of Volkswagens going down. As a matter of fact, we were having lunch in the studio lunchroom just before the show today, and I was reading the, the local paper here in Jersey. A 2012 Volkswagen Jetta, 50,000 miles, four-door power steering, power window, power brakes, air conditioning, excellent condition, it said. Gas version. Didn't talk anything about it being a a, a diesel. And excellent condition, $8,700. And I read that, and I said, a five-year-old car in fifty thousand miles—you know, less than nine grand. In comparison, a two thousand six Toyota Camry with sixty-eight thousand miles was the next column over, and they were looking to get seven grand for it. So a car, a car six years older than the Volkswagen, is only worth fifteen hundred dollars less, or two thousand dollars less. What does that say about Volkswagen? What's the resale price of Volkswagen doing besides plummeting? And um, you just wonder, where will the company be? It, it doesn't look good for the folks from, uh, you know, the fatherland there. It's a uh, tough time. Second thing I wanted to talk about. So I finally got Carpenter Bob straightened out in terms of we worked on his truck this week and rebuilt his front end. And, you know, he, he had some spare time while he was hanging around waiting for us to do it. And he decided we had purchased some new cameras for the shop security system and he decided well you know what let me get the cameras up this week while i'm here and we can you know do what we have to do so we had four cameras to replace we've we've got a bunch of them and um puts up one works great and they're really neat they're military grade they're you can see at night it's 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 really cool i can watch the shop two o'clock in the morning it's like looking at daylight and you know first one goes up no problem second one goes up doesn't seem to work. Bob, it's dark. What's the problem there? He goes, I don't know. He goes, let me go check the connection. Checks the connection. Well, wait a minute. And he goes, you know, I think you got a bad one. I go, no, it's new. How could it be bad? Puts the old one back in. It works fine. We call up tech support for the camera company, and they say, yeah, you got to have 12 volts. I measure I got 12 volts. I said, I've got, I've got 35 milliamp draw with the old camera. I've got nothing with the new camera. He says, yeah, that's about right. Um, he says, gee, you may have a bad new camera. I said, well, how could that be? New. Never, ever worked. So we got to the third camera and um, tried that, and that one worked. Then we got to the fourth camera. Didn't work. So I guess the point of the conversation is, you know, if it's electronic, if it's technical, if it's involved, automobile, animal, mineral, or vegetable, right? Automobile, camera, computer, whatever. It doesn't matter. It, it just becomes an issue. So, you know, the moral to the story is, and and – we waited a little – well, we waited a while. We've had the cameras a while, but the company was nice enough. They took them back. They're going to make good on it. It's You can't wait. You know, you, you never know when technology is going to come along and, 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 and bite you in your hind quarters and become a problem. And, you know, that's the point. And as technology marches forward, you just – you say, where will it end? Carpenter Bob was here in studio. He was tidying up some electrical stuff for us before the show today. So if we go off the air, you you know Carpenter Bob was helping, and we showed him in our in our in our 
R&R room, in the, in the rest and relaxation room before the show, the TV room as we call it, we've got a Bose sound bar. So I was showing Bob how the Bose sound bar worked. And, you know, understand, this is a guy who didn't see TV until about seven years ago. So, you know, he's seeing a Bose sound bar on a 65-inch TV, and he's just stunned. He's just never seen or heard anything like this. And I showed him how through my phone I can take my phone and play music on the sound bar. And he looks at me and he says, well, what about all those Roy Rogers records I've got? I said, well, that's kind of over, Bob. I mean, you know, Roy Rogers is gone. Dale's gone. Trigger's gone. Um, you know, it's and – I, and I pointed out to him how it's going to change everything. We were talking at the chiropractor also this morning about automobiles, and it kind of tied into my conversation with Bob, how cars are getting to the point that they're getting more and more difficult, not just to repair, but to afford the repair and the practicality of the repair. We had an 09 F-150 Ford pickup truck this week, two-wheel drive, extended cab, not a double door, but a you know, cab and a half, two-wheel drive, nice truck, leather, Heated seats and air and air conditioned seats, you know, every option under the sun. Just just a big truck, a, a, a cowboy Cadillac kind of thing, and it needed you know tires, brakes, full service, ignition. It's got ninety two thousand miles on it. It needs the farm, and by the time you're done and you add it all up, and the customer you know opted for the best of the best, it's fifty six hundred dollars. And he looked at me and he said, "Go ahead, do it." And I kind of tilted my head and I said, "Really." I said, Ron, I already priced this truck out new. I mean, I understand it. I was just curious to hear somebody else tell me what I already, you know, believe in my mind. He said, I priced this truck out new. This truck, brand new, is $72,000. And you say to yourself, and as he said to me, he said, Ron, I'll put ten grand in it. I'll put fifteen grand in it. He goes, number one, you're working on it. He goes, I know it's done. It's done right. And he goes, I'm not going to have to revisit it. But he says, more importantly, he goes, where am I going to get a truck for five grand or six grand or ten grand? He goes, I can't buy this truck again. I ha- I can, he says, but I got to spend seventy two thousand dollars, and then in three years I get to start all over again. And it made me wonder where will, where will it stop? And this is the conversation at the chiropractor. We were talking. There were young families there, so you know the average young American family with an eight year old, a ten year old, and a twelve year old, and. You know, they're just to the point, the kids are just to the point where, you know, you can take them on that vacation to Cape Cod or Southern California beaches or or Florida, and you want to go on a family road trip, and everybody piles into the Suburban. And you decide, let me go out and buy a new Suburban. A new Suburban is 80 grand. And at what point does it become, and like a lot of couples are doing, they're they're not buying that $80,000 Suburban. They're buying that used whatever for 30 or 40 because they're saving for college. At what point will it become impractical to own a car? And I think we're almost encroaching that now. Cadillac, last year, there was a write-up in the Wall Street Journal that talked about Cadillac and its, its I forget what they called it, but it was a it was a car choice program where you could choose somewhere between four and six different model Cadillacs during the course of the basis of the program. And it was a it was a ridiculous number. I'm thinking it was eight to twelve hundred dollars a month, but you could switch out your car four to six times a year. So if you want to drive, you know, a small Cadillac in the winter and then switch to a sportier model come come summer, and then in football season there's tailgating. You want to buy an Escalade. You want to drive a Cadillac Escalade. You can do all that. And they've they've now taken and made it a way that hey, you know, it's maybe you're not going to buy the Cadillac program. Maybe you're going to buy 
you know, the $500 a month Chevrolet program. And for the rest of your life, you're going to have this $500 a month as a small mortgage payment. But you're going to get to drive a new car anytime you want, up to four, four to six times a year. I read an interesting story last week that talked about how General Motors has too much used car inventory. They're flooded with it. They don't know where to put the cars anymore. And it just makes you wonder how the leasing is going to be affected and if it will. I don't know. This is me, Ron Anini and the Car Doctor, talking a lot about nothing because that's what today's show is. That's our theme. We're just talking about nothing here, trying to solve your car problems at 855-560-9900. When the Car Doctor returns, we're going to kick the garage doors wide open. Stay tuned. I'll be back right after this. She's real fine, my 409. She's real fine, my 409, my 409. Welcome back. We're on the, the car doctor. By the way, do you know, and I'm speaking to Anthony, my, my, my board operator is back this week. The New York City trains were working. Um, thank God for that. Right, Tone? Barely. Yeah, barely, but he's here. Um, do you know how the Beach Boys recorded that song? In the studio. No. Little known fact. They were on the front lawn. I read it many years ago, but they were they were on the front lawn of a neighbor's house, and somebody had a 409 Chevy in the driveway, and they revved it up to get that sound effect. That's oh. an actual 409 in the music. Wow. That's, that's, that's what I was told. That's what I was read now. I'm reading some PR agency's story about it, so it could all be a bunch of lies anyway. But yes. it's, it's, I'd like to believe in my mind that's a real 409. Okay. So. Just a little bit of, I'm just a fountain of useless information. What can I tell you? Thank you very much. Let's open the garage doors. Quick, let's go over and talk to Paul. I guess that's Huntington, New York, 01 Chevy S10 pickup, and uh, see how see what's going on here. Paul, welcome to Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Thanks for my, taking my call. You're welcome. 01 S10 Chevy pickup. It's an air conditioning problem. Worked a few times early this season, then we were away for about six weeks. It sat outside and... Probably the first time when we were back, one of the warm days, it worked okay. Next time I turned it on, it was just blowing warm. Okay. Uh, pressures this morning. I used the car this morning. I put a, a gauges on it. The low side was 125, high side about 90. Started the car up, ran it for about a minute. Both pressures seemed to equalize. I saw 65 on the low side, maybe 70, 75 on the high side. Shut it off. Wait another minute or so. Now the low side's back up to 100. The high side is 75. Okay, so it it sounds like if we want to look at pressure, and obviously you also want to look at temperature of the day when we do the pressure test, it sounds like it's got enough refrigerant in it. Um, so where are we losing the electrical signal to the PCM that it's not that it's not you know turning the air conditioning on? Would be my first question. Well, it looks to me like the compressor is engaging. I hear it click, and you can see the center part of the hub is spinning. It is. Yes. So, okay, with the compressor on, with the compressor on, you're getting what pressures? With it on, they're they're pretty much equalized from what I can see. There is no. Looks like the compressor is not doing anything. Stoops. Well, it's doing it. It's bringing the low side down. For what, whatever reason, it's that high to begin with. I don't know. But it's it's equalizing the pressure and not doing anything else. Two thoughts come to mind, and I'm sure they are. But are you certain the gauges, you know, the connections have good positive contact with the Schrader? Yes. Okay, so we're we're going to assume, which is a dangerous word, yep. that we've got good contact at the pressure ports. All right. 
then if you're telling me the compressor's engaging and, you know, we want to assume also we've got a, a correct charge in the system, mm-hmm. all right, then my first thought is if I've got equal pressure, you're saying 75 to 100 PSI, depending upon when you're checking this, right? then do I have a problem in the compressor itself? Mm-hmm. Uh, only, only because, and I'm wondering if this is a variable displacement compressor, is the compressor stuck at mid-stroke? And I would have to research that because I'm trying to remember when they failed. This is an older system. When they failed, what did that do to system pressure? Okay. All right. But the fact that it's equal, it's equal high pressure, makes me start to think that either I can't have a restriction. If I had a restriction, one side would be up, one side would be down. All right. Uh, The fact that I've got equal high pressure makes me think I've got some sort of a compressor issue um, or... As I said, I've got I've got an in, I've got gauges that I'm not really connected, even though I think I am. Do you have the ability to draw the refrigerant out and start over? Well, I'm waiting. I ordered adapters from eBay. I, I only have a high side. They sent me two high side adapters. I have old R12 gauges. All that stuff is all the old fittings. So I only have a gate. My Robin Air gauge is on the high side, and I have a, a can tapper with a gauge on it that I got at the auto parts store on the low side. So I don't know how accurate that low side gauge is, but I'm assuming it's close enough. Right. Yeah, I would, is the, see, I don't want to trust that. Um, is is that gauge, how does that gauge, you know, get hooked up? Is that is that gauge hooked up with a can attached to it or? Yes, yes. It's part of a, it has a valve. It's uh, like a trigger valve that you can let the refrigerant in, and it also has that gauge in that can tapper part of it. Okay. Then... So let me ask you this: How do you, how do you account for how much refrigerant's in the system? I have no idea. Okay. I, I've had the truck since it's new; it worked perfect for since '01. Right. And like I say, it's a, it's an all of a sudden thing. N- never any maintenance on the system. I've never right. drained it. Never changed the the orifice or anything. I'd be curious what goes on really with the uh, gauge. I'd be curious if hooking the gauge up with an adapter changes it. And I'd be curious how much refrigerant's in that system. When you do a little more testing, Paul, give me a call back. Let me know where you're at. We'll continue along. I'm Ron and the car doctor. We're returning right after this. Don't go away. Hey, welcome back. Ron and the car doctor. Um, interesting letter uh, before we go any further, by the way, at 855-560-9900. Interesting letter from, uh, from, from a listener. Ron, I wanted to drop you a line and say I enjoy the show as well as agree with your memory. Related diagnostic tool 90-plus percent of the time. I'm sending you an article I have held on to since April 1996. I'm sure you have seen it at some point. I think it's true today as well as it was 20 years ago. Still can't teach experience, by the way. Just retired from my own auto repair business 37 years as well as 20 years. United States Air Force jet engine technician Wayne Cartier, it looks like, uh, Orrington, Maine, um, for Wayne. Uh, you know, Wayne, um, great article. The article's titled The Last Word. It was in Motor Magazine, April of 1996, 21 years ago this month. And um, the gist of the article, most Americans don't realize what it takes to repair today's vehicles. If they did, their perception of the person who fixes them would be a lot different. And the article goes on to talk about, well, what we were up against in 1996 or what we saw what we were going to be up against in 1996. But the part that gets me is today's qualified automotive technician must be part mechanical engineer with an understanding of how internal combustion engines and mechanical systems work and how laws of physics and motion cause parts to wear out or malfunction. Part chemical engineer 
an expert in hydraulics, knowledge in basic geometry, an electrical systems expert, computer savvy, an accomplished mathematician, and proficient in both the English and metric systems of measurement and be able to convert these measurements in his head. You know, this is 20 years ago. It hasn't gotten any simpler. You know, now today I would add it's not mechanical engineer, it's electrical engineer. And with everything leading towards computers, obviously we're there. It's not leading. Uh, the, the article couldn't be more self-prophesizing when it says automotive technicians will also use their senses of sight, smell, hearing, and touch to find the source of problems as they go about diagnosing problems. Technicians will have the ability to analyze inputs, isolate faults, and make for current repairs, be it 90-degree heat or frigid weather conditions. And when it comes to an automotive industry technician's personality profile, we expect the patience of Job, the compassion of Mother Teresa, and the honesty of George Washington. Shop owners and car owners covet a good technician when they find one. A qualified automotive technician is a rare individual with exceptional skills. Is it a wonder there's a shortage? And part of what that article talks about is you can't replace experience. And there's a huge experience shortage. We're not we're not nurturing it. We're not going to we don't like it, it seems. Maybe we don't want to pay for it. Both, you know, maybe the garages themselves don't want to pay for experience, and maybe the consumer doesn't want to pay for experience. But yet we all want to get our car fixed. We want to get our house built correctly. We want to get the roof installed right. We want to have our brakes done safely. And there's it, – it's it's difficult to, to comprehend, but we're reaching the point where we could have a problem. And I think we do have a problem in the sense that there's a huge shortage of technicians and, well, qualified technicians – People that will work on the car like their mom or sister or their family was in it. Had a 2005 Toyota Highlander this week at the shop doing valve cover gaskets. And I'll go back to the phones in a second if everybody could just sit tight. I appreciate it. Um, And doing valve cover gaskets. Now, there's an issue on the V6 Toyotas. Not only do they, you know, 10, 12 years later, they're going through head gaskets, and this one's been leaking for a long time. But there's also an issue with you're going to remove the coils. You have to take the coils out to take the valve covers off. The little safety lock connector that you depress, the the, the safety tab you push down and the connector pops off, they're brittle from the heat. The underhood heat is so high, and now they're 10, 11, 12 years old and older, and the little plastic connector is breaking. And, you know, it's... Just what you want to do. You want to do a a $900,000 repair of valve cover gaskets, spark plug maintenance, a few other odds and ends, and hand the customer back a car where the electrical connector is RTV glued onto the coil with a bunch of tie straps, and it looks like something a third grader did with all thumbs. All right? Because that'll instill confidence. Because if you were going to put your wife and kids in that car, you'd be happy to let them out at 3 o'clock in the morning driving down a dark road in the middle of nowhere, confident that they'll come back because... When's that repair going to fail? The Goober repair usually fails when you need it the most. But it's not the coil. Yeah, everybody out there can sit there and say, you know what, there's six cylinders on this. It could lose one coil connector and the car would keep driving. That's right. But if we teach the technicians to do a Rube Goldberg repair there, we're teaching them to do a Rube Goldberg repair on the critical junctures, ignition switches, fuel pump connections crank sensors, 
Crank sensor connector falls off, the car's done. It'll shut off right wherever it is. 65, 70 miles an hour on the highway with an 18-wheeler behind it or on a dark country road somewhere in the middle of nowhere when you're depending upon it the most. And in some cases, it's a life-and-death situation. You know, you wonder. I always think in my mind that that car I'm working on could be carrying an expectant woman to the hospital at 3 o'clock in the morning. That car better get there. So my point is, as this article points out, you can't teach experience. And I wonder, you know, we talk about all these wonderful things with cars and the technology and how it's going to be great and flying cars and self-driving cars. Who's going to fix them? And and where's that experience going to come from? And what does that transition look like? And that's the tough part that I have with. That's the part I don't get. And I really have a hard time swallowing that we're going to be effective at this. I just I just don't see it. So, um, by the way, and in support of this, we were talking last week, and I've gotten a bunch of letters and emails. I want to just point this out. I realize this is a nationally syndicated show, and a lot of you won't be around. But if you are in New Jersey uh, the week of first week of June of this year, June 7th, um, I am I am going to be there, not the boys. Uh, it's a Wednesday night at the Wayne Hills Wayne Auto Shop. Uh, they're doing a classic car show and kind of a job fair. They're going to have some of the trade schools there and, you know, showing what they're working on and how they're working on it. It's a car show. It's a classic car show and a newer car show. It's just a good time out on, in, in North Jersey on a Wednesday night. So I'm going to take Black out for a ride and, um, you know, enjoy myself. But uh, just going out to support the kids because I think it's important. I, I guess my point is that if you've got the opportunity to, you know, takes a village to raise a child. If you've got the opportunity to do something and be a rising tide to help these kids, um, they surely need it because they are really up against it with the technology that's coming down the road. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. We're coming back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. Um, yeah, by the way, that's and that's real. Uh, you know, Wednesday, June 7th, I will be in uh, Wayne, New Jersey at the uh, Wayne High School and Wayne, I think it's Wayne Valley and Wayne Hills Auto Show. I'm not sure exactly where it is, but I'm sure there'll be signs up in the town. Um, but again, supporting the kids. you got to support the kids. They're the next generation of technicians. Let's go over to the phones, 855-560-9900. Car doctor's 24-7 number. Let's go over and talk to Greg. Uh, 2016 Toyota Camry and some comments about an oil leak. Greg, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, Ron. Yes, Thanks sir. for taking my call. You're First welcome. time caller and uh, just relatively new listener. Oh, great. Thank you for being here. Yeah, I appreciate it. Hey, just to let you know, I had uh, we had a 2016 Toyota Camry, and after the 5,000-mile um, inspection, I started noticing an oil leak in our uh, driveway, and and got to checking it out and, and took it back to the dealership. And they all the, the service tech must have started to uh, change the oil and realized that it wasn't due yet because it was new at that point. And we were just seeing residual leaking. Well, then I kind of blew it off and took it on the chin. And, and then when it came to the 10,000-mile uh, oil change after that, it was still leaking. And... So I took it upon myself to get underneath the car, clean everything off to find that the leak wasn't coming from the oil filter, but it was coming from a bolt hole that I think the air conditioner 
bracket where the air conditioner is attached to a black bracket just above the oil filter housing. And what we had found out was is that sure enough, uh, oil was coming out of the bolt hole. I didn't get to see it myself. They only showed me a picture of the hole and question where the oil was coming out of. And they said it wasn't a crack, but there might have been a flaw in the casting or the bolt hole might have penetrated somewhere in that upper oil pan, as they called it. Right, the oil galley area. Yeah, yeah. so they had to fit. I, I tried looking it up, and I couldn't find that. You know, I'd never heard of an oil upper oil pan, for that matter. But anyhow, it's the whole uh, sandwich about, a, I don't know how many inches thick of aluminum casting, but they had to pull the engine completely out of the car, replace that whole um upper oil pan assembly itself and then reassemble everything and so far so good no leaks i'm just thinking that if it was a you know an isolated incident or if there were more incidences that people were just kind of blowing it off and not realizing that it's actual issue or could be an issue and then my follow-up to that is i've asked the dealership and they're going to bat for me to, um, again, give me um, a good platinum extension on uh, the warranty for the vehicle since this was our first new Toyota that we had purchased. We've had uh, a good used one in the past, but this is our first new one that we've ever bought. So I was hoping that they were going to um, give us uh, you know, some type of extension on that since everything under the hood has been compromised at this point with the removal of that engine. Yeah, no, and I and I agree, and it's it's nice to hear the dealer stepping up, and um, yeah, and, and, and you know, listen, I talk bad about some repair shops and dealers, and I think there's some bad, but then as you indicate, there's a lot of good ones too, and yeah. you know, I think unfortunately it was your turn in the barrel. You just happened to get the one. I have not heard this um, before as a complaint. All right. Yeah, and that's and that's why I figured it for you know, like I said, whether it was isolated, but in just in the the whole casting, and even the dealership said, you know, well, you know, we could have we could have plugged the hole with goop, and you know, probably gotten by, but Toyota themselves said no, they wanted to see the the casting, so that involved uh, again uh, a good amount of hours for them to clean jerk everything out of yeah. the car and. Did they did you know, they replace, replace that. did they replace the entire engine, Greg, or just the bottom half piece? No, that was... just the bottom, just that bottom upper oil, oil pan, pan right. assembly. But again, it was a complete. I mean, they just as well, uh, you know, done it by the time they spent all that time and effort pulling the engine out. But Toyota yeah. told them otherwise to you know just replace that that upper half. Which again, you got all the the, the timing covers, you got the transmission bell housing, you got all the fluids, everything that was connected to that, you know, and that's that was my, not my argument, but that was my concern is that right. because everything's been compromised, how do you justify any future repair on the vehicle that involved everything under the hood with that uh, removal reinstallation? So right now it's in, uh, I think, it, uh, Toyota Financial uh, Acceptance or whatever is, is uh, taking the reins on it at this point but the dealer got me that far so we're just waiting to find out if if they're gonna extend my uh again warranty you know above and beyond and and keep me covered because we'd like to keep the car for a long time but it was kind of disheartening to have had that and if, if i'm the only one then great it was just a right. isolated case how many, but if, how many if, miles are on the car greg uh right now about twelve thousand. ask him ask him what would it take to swap you out of it 
Yeah, true. That's another path that we can go down. You know, and and you know, obviously the 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 concern of the part you would have to get past in your head financially is, you know, if they said to you, hey, you know, Greg, listen, for eight grand, we'll get you into a 2017. Um, you know, you're spending eight grand you didn't have to spend, or are you? Right. Or, you know, it's right. You're, you know, you're you've been driving the car for what a year and a half now. Yeah, just a little over a year for us. Okay, so it's a, it's it's a year's worth of driving. What's a year's worth of driving, and the depreciation of a new car worth? It can't hurt. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just a thought because you're right. Everything's been compromised. Now I will tell you this: a repair of that magnitude, I I absolutely guarantee you the A tech in the shop was working on it. That, that yep, that's that, what we were told. Yeah, that wasn't being done by the oil change kid. And nope. you know, you just. You know, there's the problem is that car is now noted on Carfax that that's yep. the that's the repair that was done when you go to tra- yep. when you go to trade that car in. That's, yeah, that'll be a big flag. That'll be a big flag, and that's going to affect the resale value. Yeah, and you know that's which I don't necessarily agree with, but it, it will affect resale no. value. Right, unless you get it back through the same dealership, right. you know, then they're aware of the record, and yet right. they're yep. the ones that's got to take care of it after that. Yep. But so. All right. All right. All right. Listen, you um, you you know, you do what you got to do. Do your due diligence. There's some thoughts for you. But if you need any more help, I'm curious. Would you please promise give me a call back and let me know how this works out for you? Because I want to, uh, I want to hear the tail end of it. Greg, I wish you and yours uh, the best of luck with it. I'm Ron Anney in the Car Doctor. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. We're coming back right after this. Welcome back, Ron Anney in the Car Doctor. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Toll free number. By the way, don't forget. You can uh, call that number and leave a message if we're not here, if you're podcasting or taking this show uh, when we're not on the air live network time, 2 to 4 p.m. Saturday afternoon Eastern time. You can call 855-560-9900. Leave a message. Tom Ray will call you back and um, put you on show, and we can talk about your car problem when you're, when you're ready. Uh, quick email, Ron, as a follow-up to your concern about the quality of car parts. This is from Richard in Connecticut. I draw your attention to the Bloomberg Business Week article, March 27th through April 2nd. Page 46 with the article, Don't Let a Monster Kill You. The article talks about the tremendous pressure that is applied to the line worker in the United States who is constantly under pressure to increase production and the toll it takes on the human beings that are on the line. I also note the cover page entitled New Detroit in the South's Manufacturing Renaissance Comes with a Heavy Price. And it talks about the workers on the line trying to produce parts and losing arms, hands, legs. He says, um, just a dangerous place to be. He's absolutely right, Richard. Um, I couldn't have said it better myself. There's got to be a balance, which isn't always easy to find sometime in this day and age. It always, it's always about the buck, right? So, But um, anyway, I appreciate your comments, and a happy motoring to you and yours. I'm Ron Anney and the Car Doctor. Till the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.